You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. greatest love story so I thought I'll go to the source of all knowledge and I googled greatest love stories of all time (laughs) don't do that ever ever if you want to feel warm and fuzzy don't do that ever oh our love story the beginning yes that is me that is me (laughs) we went this color because I inherited the premature (laughs) who's the other guy (laughs) You can't see in that picture, but his hair's really, like, big. (laughs) Um, Yes, our love story, the journey continues. Now, we'll just pause right there. Now, it just took, you know, Daniel one click, and it went from, ah, the beginning to, ah, the middle of the journey. And, you know, it's a highlight reel, people. A highlight reel. There is years or there are years and years and years of our story in between those two clicks. There are highs. There are amazing highs. There are low lows. There are four neurosurgery situations. There are near-death situations. There are three little people that we get to meet in heaven one day because they didn't make it to this part of the journey. Um, so what seems like a click of the button, just uh, maybe that's a word for someone here. Facebook, Instagram, all those blah blah blah, you know, things that take up our time. Highlight reels. It's not, it's not real real. Highlight reels, okay, because we want to show our best all the time. And then the next one, please, Dan. And, you know, the super family member, you know, once again, the highlight reel. You know, probably took 10 photos to get that one, you know. And and just the right, if we're all smiling, Paul's a bit like, I think he might have been. So thanks, Daniel. Um, so back to, that's uh, just... Okay, yep. Um, So I Googled greatest love stories of all time, thinking that there is going to be some really powerful stuff on the internet. Probably should have gone to the old encyclopedias. They probably would have been a lot less like, whoa, graphic. Um, Do you know most of the greatest love stories, and there was some that said 100 best love stories, some said the best 10, some said the best 48, whatever. They all, or most of them, I'd say a good 98% of them, were about adulterous relationships that often ended in tragedy. Guinevere and Lancelot, Paris and Helen, Tristan and Isolde, Napoleon and Josephine. Don't ever Google greatest love stories of all time. If you get anything out of today, that's not it. (laughs) Now, we all love a good love story, don't we? We love a happy ending. There is nothing. I don't understand why, and maybe it's you have to be embedded in the culture, but I just don't understand why 
Japanese movies have to end in blood and death and dying and crying and... Yeah, yeah, okay, Bruce loves good Japanese movie. All those movies that just leave you going... Um, what happened next after the credits? You know, and because... Why are all the greatest love stories that man thinks are the greatest love stories, why do they begin in treachery and end in tragedy? Like, like why are we so besotted with that stuff? You know, I love the happy endings. I love, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. <laughs> By then, you know, I'm, I know those sayings are already coming, so I'm already bawling my eyes out. You know, he's bawling his eyes out. Or little tear. We want to know that all of those emotion, emotions that we've just invested in that last two hours are worth it. We want to know that, you know, like we become so connected with those people. You know, I'm one of those. <laughs> we binge watch stuff. You know, it's a bad habit, but we do. And you get so involved with all the characters that it's like you go, oh, I wonder what they're going to do when they wake up in the morning. I wonder if I'll see them today. No, Tanya, they're not real. They're just in your imagination, you know, but there's nothing worse. Or the time that my mother said, oh, we should watch The Notebook. I heard it's really good. <laughs> you know, ugly crying. Oh, no, wait, my counsellor said never use the word ugly crying because crying is beautiful, so sorry. But, you know, the crying that is just like you're so involved. <sighs> That's the world's version of what love is. It's somebody taking something that God has created and trying to put their own kind of mortal spin on it. So I love this book. Mine's pink, of course. I love this book. It's filled with the best plots, the best dramatic twists, the, the most daring damsels. Uh, and, of course, conquering heroes. You know, I often think that Hollywood could make an absolute packet, a bigger packet, um, just by portraying any of these stories. Any of these stories. Pick one. You know, Lara Croft. How about meet JL with a tent peg? Now, some of you might need to go and read that. It's a bit too R-rated to read it here this morning. And I'm not talking about a little sand temp peg, you know. My microphone is probably smaller than the temp peg she had, you know. Like, there is so much goodness and gore and, you know, oh, I told you I was going to do the, the girly version. The girls are the heroes in the Bible, yeah? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks. Go, girls. One of my favourite love stories in the Bible is that found in the book of Ruth. It has all the elements of a good love story. It has heartbreak, heartache, tragedy, loyalty, an awesome plot twist, and, of course, a handsome hero. Set in the midst of great hardship and tragic loss... This story focuses on loyalty and faithfulness. The book of Ruth begins with an Israelite family. Oh, I should have practiced these names. Elimelech, 
Actually, I'm looking to Bruce, not my husband. <laughs> Bruce got me the note. Naomi, his wife, their two sons, Marlon and Chilion. 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 <laughs> I teach prep. And they were living in Moab. So they're originally from Bethlehem and they left their land of inheritance because of a famine. So they've gone looking for a better life. Their, their circumstances changed. So let's move on. So what happens? Do they find a better life for a short time? But then tragedy strikes. So Elimelech dies and then both her sons, Naomi's sons, marry Moabite women because they're living in that land. And within 10 years, those sons die also. So we have a situation where we've got Naomi and then we have her daughters-in-law um, just on their own. On their own. Now, it's hard for us today to go, oh, what's so hard about that? Couldn't she just go and get a job? Like, anyone can get a job. Like, why could, what, what, why? It was so hopeless because they were outside of covering now. They were outside of the patriarchal, it's a patriarchal society. So, so the men provide, the men look after, the men are the ones who provide the covering for their families. So we have these women. They had no means of providing for themselves. So their future looks like this. I can go and do something really compromising in order to get money. Mm, not great. I could beg. Mm, not great. Um, so their options for, for survival were just really dodgy, really dodgy. And um, so they're completely dependent on the generosity of others. They face starvation or worse. Now, we had a situation this week, it wasn't starvation, but we had a situation where we had to depend as a family completely on the generosity of others. You see, not one car, but two cars died on the same day and... You know, we don't just live two minutes from our school and our jobs and, you know, my daughter dances at Ipswich and our lives are full and there's after-school stuff and, you know, there is no way that we could just bus it. So, <laughs> and it's really awful. It's really awful to say, um, is there anybody that can please help us? We had to rely on the... On the generosity of others and thankfully people came to our rescue and now we have two working cars so we've had our conversations with our cars we're not going there again okay they it's just yep so so we have Naomi and Ruth and Orpa Opa Orpa three women so Ruth, uh, Naomi says, you know, look, this is really bad. I'm going to go back to my family land. You girls should go back to your families because there's nothing for you here. I can't provide anything for you here. Basically, you're with me and we're going to die. Okay. Orpah goes, oh, I, mm, okay. All right. I'm sure I could, you know, find a new life. Now Ruth says, no, no. I would rather die, actually. Ruth says, um, 
it's just better if I read it. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. So they returned to Israel. Now, Naomi was a survivor. So she survived her husband dying. She survived her her son's dying. And now she has a dependent. So she returns to her homeland. She didn't return to her homeland laughing and, you know, entering the gates joyfully. Um, She... Although survivors, she returned with nothing. She had nothing. She, she had nothing to show her family, nothing to show for her years being away from her family. And, and so she returns and, you know, she doesn't want to show her face. All her friends say, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? Why is she back? What happened to her? Why does she look so... Ugh, ugh. I don't think we're going to ask her for coffee. I don't think we're going to have mother's group because she's just too sad. (laughs) See, she was so discouraged that she wore that on her. She's trudging. She's not running back to her homeland. She's trudging. She's embarrassed. She's so discouraged that she says, no, the hand of God has turned against me. Do not call me Naomi. Naomi meant delight. So, you know, every time they say a name, here comes Naomi, here comes delight, here comes happiness, here comes, you know, pleasantness. She's like, no, God has turned his back on me. You can call me Mara. I know a few aunties and mothers-in-law that could say that really well. Call me Mara. The Lord has turned his back on me. I am bitter. I am nothing. You know, that... That's why we need to have these visual people like me bringing this kind of stuff, you know, because you read that and go, oh, okay, she called her name Bitter. Yeah. No, she did not want to be associated with anything good, anything positive. Her very name meant delight. She did not want to be any of that. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because God has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. She's lucky she wasn't zipped (laughs) right then and there. But how often have we in our own desperate times gone, nope, nope, I'm not going to pray. I'm not even going to acknowledge that I woke up this morning. No, no. When all else seems hopeless, we say the same things. We might not know what our names mean, but we go, nope, I'm not blessed. Nope, I'm not pretty. Don't give me any compliments. Nope, stupid, idiot, dumb, crazy. I'm just crazy. My therapist told me. No, they wouldn't tell you that. (laughs) They want you to keep coming back. (laughs) But you hear what I'm saying? Don't call me blessed. Oh, hey. I like what you've done today. Oh, you know what? It's the humidity. Why can't we accept good things? Why? Because we're so busy looking at our circumstances that are going, you know what? It's a bump in your road. And we're like, no, no. 
Call me bitter because that's what I am. Now, her life didn't turn out the way that she thought it would. She said, I left full and I've come back with nothing. So here's a woman. She's, she's got hope inside her. She wants her house filled with grandbabies. Laughter. She wants the kids at her feet. She wants to teach her daughters-in-law how to prepare, you know, like for the feasts. She wants to be able to pass all that. She's got that all inside her and she returns with nothing. Not even, not even a little grandbaby. Nothing. Yet. I love the yets. I love the yets in here. Yet. Even in the midst of this desperate situation, even in the midst of this circumstance, she was still looking out for her little family, for herself and Ruth. She was still trying to secure a future for them. Little did she know what was going to happen in Act 2. In the midst of their loss, God was orchestrating an amazing plan that generations later would affect all of humanity through the coming of God's chosen redeemer, Jesus Christ. Like, in the midst of, no, no, don't call me, don't call me delightful, call me bitter. And even though she said all those things, God's like, oh, I know she doesn't really mean it because I've got this thing that's about to happen and just wait. I can't wait till she sees what I've got for her in Act 2. So her act two begins with, a, with trust, with trust. So I know I've called it the greatest love story and there's so many different facets of this love story. But I really love how Ruth trusted Naomi. She trusted her wholeheartedly. Where you go, I will go. You know, where you stay, I will stay. I know that Sasha and I had a moment like this in Malaysia once. She hadn't been there before. And I, as the Naomi, I'm going to show you all the best places to buy the best shoes, Sasha. She went, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. It's like, come, my little Padawan, come with me. And now she does it. Now she... that, That is, that is. Jesus uses all forms. Okay, all parts of our personality. Ruth trusted Naomi. She trusted not just Naomi, but she trusted her relationship with Naomi. There was something there. You see, in today's world, we are taught and fed through media and social media to go with your heart. What you feel is all that matters. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what you see directly in front of you in the mirror. You do what you feel is best. You do what you want to do. We turn to Dr. Google for medical advice. We share so much publicly. (sighs) Had a bad day. And yet we're so offended when people want to know our business. We are not encouraged to have actual conversations. We're not encouraged to seek godly counsel. We're not encouraged to pray, let alone wait for God to speak. We are more connected than ever before in this world, yet we struggle to make connections. 
We have hundreds, some thousands of friends, and yet we're lacking real friendships. We love FaceTime. Oh, look, oh, look, someone's calling me. It's FaceTime. Yet we don't have time for the face-to-face moments. It's called social media. And yet we are more antisocial than ever before. Where is our trust in our relationships? Those people on Instagram are not your friends. Some are, but it's a highlight reel. (laughs) It was a serious moment, Eden. Ruth trusted in her relationship with Naomi, even when the advice seemed really weird. So we're fast-forwarded. They're back in... They've come back to Jerusalem. And Naomi's still thinking, we have to do something to survive. I've got Ruth now. We have to do something. And so she says to uh, to Ruth, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Such a mother heart. She's not thinking about herself. She's thinking about her now daughter. Now Boaz is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes and then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he falls asleep, lie on his feet and he will tell you what to do. Now, if my mother-in-law told me to do that, I'd be like, I didn't think so. Number one, I'm not even allowed on the threshing floor. Like, that is ma- that is man's place. I'm not allowed to go there. Number two, ew. <laughs> There's something about, I don't, like, just, can you picture it? She is all, so she's had a wash. She's put on perfume and her best clothes. And now she's going to really need somebody to do this for me. Now she's going to lie at a man's feet on the threshing floor. There's like barley bits and like it smells like like working people and you know and she goes, "Okay. I'm going to do it because you told me to. I'll do whatever you say." Love these chicks in the Bible. Mary. Yep. Sounds weird, but I'm going to do it. So she went down, she did it. And she did it. And so we come to a moment where it all happens as just as Naomi had said. So then Boaz, he asks who she is. And she says, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are my kinsman redeemer. Other translations say you are my guardian redeemer. You see, when a family hit tragedy or they were in great need there was always a guardian over the family that they could go back to to um, help them get back on their feet again. And when she says, spread the corner of your garment over me, there's so much in that and I had it all written out. So she is number one saying, I acknowledge you as the person who can save me from this plight. The second thing she's saying is, I want you to be my protector. 
I need you to be my protector. Please be my protector. She's also saying, and in doing that, I will become your wife. And so there's, there's a whole lot of other um, uh, logistics that need to go with that because he then needs to go to the gate and he needs to have a conversation and it's all very proper. It's all very proper. But does it sound a bit familiar to s- when we feel that we are in dire straits? When we feel that our circumstances are screaming at us, you know, poverty, rejection, anxiety, this, that, whatever it is that you're facing. We feel like those circumstances are screaming at us because it's trying to take your eyes off God. That's what... Is try- that's what's trying to happen. It feels like it's screaming at us because that's what the enemy wants you to think. He doesn't want you to remember that God is your guardian redeemer, that God is the one who's got it in control, that God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Now, I'm in a situation, our family's in a situation where I actually have to speak that over my family situation right now. These are not stories or I don't speak this stuff because, oh, I thought it would be nice. No, see, there are things that we're living in right now and please pray <laughs> because we're, we're taking ground. We say this often. We as Live City Church are taking ground in an area that does not want to relinquish that ground to us or to God. So... So there's some pretty heavy stuff going on. So please pray for us. But, you know, I'm not going to go down without a fight. I, we, we actually say to ourselves when it's like something crops up. Actually, this week we were like, you know what, devil, you're just being a brat now. Seriously? Seriously? You're going to do that? Like two cars and then my door handle, my front door handle so people can't come to youth. Like, seriously? <laughs> it's raining, coming through the garage. Seventh entrance. You know, really? But there are some times where we have to get together and we're like, oh, God, we know that on the other side, you know what Act 2 is. You know what's happening when the curtain opens again. You know what happens after intermission. You know what's happening and you are laughing, but we are not. <laughs> We are not laughing. Help us find the joy in this situation and just reveal a little bit at a time so that we can just keep moving forward. And he does every time. Like, our, if, if what we have been through in the last two weeks was a Mr Bean movie, it would be hilarious. And I often say that. I say, well, if this was a Mr Bean movie, we'd be laughing. Not laughing now because I had to borrow one of the youth's car, you know. <laughs> that, that is like, okay, but you know what? Somebody didn't need their car so I could have it. Something was orchestrated so that I could have it. We got a little bit of extra cash. Oh, what do you know? It's the exact amount of money we need to fix the car. Yeah. You know, those little things. And so... 
the, the enemy is going to try and use the, your circumstances. He's going to use whatever is happening in your world. It might be an exam you don't feel ready for. It might be going for your driver's licence. It could be anything trivial, little, you know, anything. But the enemy will use that and will whisper those little things in your ear to try to take your eyes off what God has got for you. Take your eyes off the fact that he is your guardian redeemer, the one who will come to your rescue every time. You know, I saw a picture, um, interesting because I've seen this picture in, my, in a dream once before too, and it was a really, really beautiful snake it was like rainbow colours and it was, it was real because everything you see on the internet is real. But this one was. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful snake. But what happens is we get caught up in looking at that and we go, we're so mesmerised, right? But what's happening is slithering, is slithering, slithering. Next thing it's whispering. You can't do it. That situation's bigger than you. No one's going to rescue you. You're nothing. But see, on the other side, there's my daddy God. And he takes, you know, he recognises it for what it was, for what it is. And you know what? He doesn't even have to really destroy the snake. He just has to flick it away. The Bible says, resist the enemy and he will flee. It doesn't say fight him. It doesn't say, you know, like, oh. I know Kung Fu. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say use all your might. It just says resist. No, I'm not having that today. I'm not having that today. Can we have the next slide, Daniel? And so in the essence of this is part of our love story. Now it's no longer my love story. It's your love story. And I saw this a while ago and I just thought how cool that Valentine fits exactly in John 3.16. See, this is your love story now. This is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish and will have eternal life. That's your love story. Thanks, Daniel. Next one. So what's your next chapter? It's not written yet. So you can tell that circumstance. I've got Act 2 coming. I've got my next chapter coming. And I'm going to write it together with my dad, my daddy God, because, you know, he's got my back. And he's going to help me write it. And if today you're not feeling that you can say that or you're feeling like, I just don't know where my love story or where my life story is going, you know what? Coming here, you've made the first step. And if you've got any questions about where your story's going, we are here to help you. We can help point you in the right direction, put the pen in your hand, as it were. And so, in closing, it sounds cliched, but the greatest story ever told was for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
What's your next chapter today? Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.